We are the Riverside chapter of the Messengers of Recovery. We have chapters in Southern California and Arizona. We're a bunch of guys that either rode with the devil or chased him. We're the kind of guys that if you saw us in a crowd, you would think that if he can get sober, then so can I. We decided to throw our chip into the hat and talk about our recovery in the hopes that you can learn from this podcast that you don't have to use or drink even if you want to. We are not A-A-N-A-C-A-S-A and no one is from the damn D-A. Once a week, we hope to bring you the message of recovery from speakers, panels, interviews, and sometimes just a meeting. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to our webpage, www.riversidechaptermor.com. There you can listen to the podcast, ask questions or comments in our forum section, browse our support recovery t-shirts, or just find out a little bit more about us. That's www.riversidechaptermor.com. Today is August 21st, 2021. Tonight's speaker is Vic. All right, so uh, I'm Vic. I'm an addict. Like, I want to thank everybody for this opportunity, man. Um, whether you're driving or, or whatever state you're on or whatever uh, what, whatever part of the planet you're on, man, like, uh, bring uh, the message of hope and experience, man. And, 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 like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the people that, that seen it in me to be able to deliver this message. And uh, basically getting into it, man, like like I said, I'm Vic. I'm an addict. I grew up okay. Like, like dad was dysfunctional a little bit and... And mom's tried to keep me in church as much as she could and trying to grow up like a normal kid, man. And, and like, fortunately, that wasn't the case, man. Like, at 10 years old, my parents split. Once my dad disappeared, like, I didn't have nobody to really, uh, uh, like, fall back on as far as, like, how to be a man or, or what to do with myself. I grew up and I started leaving, like, um, like the sports and the schools, man. And, and like, uh, I started separating from my family. Um, you know, and this is a little bit further on, man, like once I got a little bit older and because I was dealing with like an identity crisis at the time, man, like, of course, like anybody, well, like myself, I chose the wrong, the wrong people to follow, man. You know, I ended up getting caught up in the gang life and, and in the drugs and, and in the jail situations and, and, and like, uh, you know, from then on, like my life just kind of became that. I didn't know nothing else for a minute. You know, I would go into juvenile hall, get out, go back into juvie hall. Uh, uh, like the whole uh, jails and institutions and the whole thing, man. And, you know, uh, I was trying to figure out who I was as a man. And, and like, I was trying to, like, understand. But, but, but I, like, I didn't even have a purpose in life at the time or, or even thought that I would uh, uh, be able to do anything good or, or, or make anything good of myself. And, like, uh, like, I remember going through these things and, you know, and it caused me a lot of, a lot of depression, a lot of hate. A, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, you know, leaving my family and, and my mother and, like, prioritizing all of these things that at the end, man, like, you know, just made me fall into, like, this whole world of dereliction and there was no way out. Like, I'm grateful to say, right, like they say around here, we do recover. The last time I went upstate, man, like, I ended up hurting a gentleman real bad. And not to say that I'm proud of that. But, like, it was around that time that I started to really question what I was doing in life, right? It, I was, start, like, I started to really question what I was doing in life. And, and like, I remember um, fighting a, a 35 with an L sentence, and I'm 20 years old. And, and, like, I still got all this anger built up. 
you know, of course, like, like, like we know around here, right? Like I was blaming everybody for my actions. I didn't know how to take responsibility for my actions. If you told me to do something, I would do it, right? If you told me to hurt somebody, I would do that. If you told me to carry this dope or, or hoop this dope, I would do that or, or, or like all of these things and they, they're like, um, that was suggested to me, man, that would keep me in the same old, like the same old foolish cycle. And, uh, you know, I remember being, uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Um, like I remember being 25 and I remember being in this cell by myself and I remember waking up and, and like, uh, to me, it's like one of those spiritual awakenings. Like it, it was a moment where I asked myself, uh, like, like why I was so angry. Right, cause I was so angry. It was, it was always somebody's fault. It was always, uh, you know, the girlfriend didn't do this, or, or my mom didn't do this, or, or, or like all of these things, right? And, and I remember, uh, at 25, like I found myself still not knowing if I was gonna come home, and, and like asking myself why I was so angry, and I couldn't even, but I couldn't respond. But it was like, like one of those moments where where I figured out something was wrong. Like, like I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why. I didn't have a, a blueprint to, to, to figure out why I was so angry at the time. But, like, I remember asking myself why I was so angry and upset, man. And, and like, um, like, I think I believe that things started to change for me around that time. Um, I still didn't know if I was going to come home. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know about recovery. I didn't care about recovery, you know, and, and, and through, um, like, God seen the fit for me to come home, man. I come home, a grown man. Uh, I'm 32 years old, right? I went in when I was 20. I'm 32 years old now. I come home. Things are different. Families moved. A uh, girlfriend left me, <laughs> you know, uh. Bridges been burned throughout the process of me still trying to like hustle while I'm in jail, you know, and I had really nothing to fall back on. And uh, but I remember through my experiences, and I remember watching these older men and like in in these jails, man, like um, like I was scared to go to jail for the rest of my life, man. When I came home, and uh, you know, I was scared. <laughs> one of the things, one of the main things that kept me clean at the time was like uh. Like, man, I don't want to be in there with these young people and, like, still trying to act like a fool with water on my, like, water in my kneecaps and, and like, all of these things, man. Like, like that was my fear at the time, you know. Um, I still didn't know nothing about recovery. I still didn't know nothing about recovery. And, um, but, like, I remember not wanting to go to jail for the rest of my life. I still didn't have a format on how to do anything. I still didn't have... Uh, you know, I didn't know what hope was. I didn't know what, especially prayer and meditation and all of that stuff that, you know, they talk about whether you're an alcoholic or, or a narcotics anonymous, like all of these things that, that, that now I know, right? But like at the time, like I did not have no format on how to be a man or, or like how to stay clean. You know, I knew that I didn't want to go to jail, but I would still put myself in, in predicaments that would still put me in jail, right? Like nothing for nothing big, but but like um a month here, three months here, a couple of weeks here. 
Like I found myself still losing everything, man. Like I, I couldn't do it. I, uh, um, it got to the point where like my using got me to the point where I didn't even use, like I didn't even need to use drugs. I just remember being out on the street, <laughs> being out on the street, you know, voices and like the paranoia and, and, and just like, man, out of my mind, man. And, and I, I couldn't even maintain a job because I couldn't even keep my mind from racing. You know, I remember um thinking moving, right? I moved out here to uh Riverside for those that know Riverside and it's out here in California and I remember moving out here because um I was going down the hill fast again out in my own neighborhood and I remember moving out here. I needed help, man. And in in like um I thought that if I moved to South Carolina, things were gonna be a lot better. Um because out here, the disease was eating me up. Everybody that I knew uh, uh, was involved in some way or some shape or form, involved with the same thing that was killing me. <laughs> so I figured if I take myself out of the situation, if I just move, like if I just move to South Carolina, like I'm going to be okay. You know, I'll go to South Carolina, man. I'll get myself together. I'll get me a job. Um, you know, I, 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 I ain't going to hurt my mom. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do all these things and like, I moved to South Carolina, man, uh, after an episode where I almost lost my life, you know, I'm sitting in the hospital, I think I weigh about like 110, you know, you can see the bones in my hands and, uh, I move out to South Carolina, uh, you know, I, I did good for a minute, you know, I'm sleeping on my mom's couch, I'm struggling with, with mental health now, it seems, trying to keep a job. I still can't focus, you know, and slowly but surely, like, I kept the job for close to a year. Um, my mother helped me get my own apartment. As soon as I got comfortable, as soon as I got comfortable, I started doing what I normally would do, right? And that's uh, trying to lie, uh, not going to work. I was already struggling at work. Um, I started not paying my rent. I started sleeping all night because I was depressed. I remember... Um, Going to this facility, man, because I was literally running in my underwear like at 8 in the morning, cold in South Carolina. And I remember getting arrested, man. And they took me to a, they took me to a mental health place, man. And like, there I go again. There I go again, man. And um, I didn't know what to do. I honestly didn't know what to do. You know, my mother did the best she could. Um, They let me out of that facility. I go back to my apartment. Um, I got a little bit of money saved, right, because I still ain't smoked everything or, or threw everything away. So I got a little bit of money left. Um, I go to my mom's house. It's at that point that for me was like like, like another moment of clarity, man. Like uh, mother finally had that talk with me, right, like you're old. I don't know what you're going to do, but you definitely ain't going to do it here. And so, like, as old as I was, right, as, as, uh, as tough as I thought I was, right, like, uh, I panicked. Uh, I panicked, I grabbed the last $600 that I had in my account, and, and, and like, I, I bought me a ticket back to California, right? Because I figured I could still do it out here, but, but, it, but, I figured I could still do it out here, but I ain't got a problem. Like, I figured I could still come back, right? It's been a while since I've been away, I could come back and, and, and probably get my life together, and, uh, I'm in Georgia, and again, man, like my eating, like my ego, my pride, right? 
I got into an altercation in a bus stop at, at the Greyhound, and uh, I go to jail in Georgia, <clears throat> and there I go again, man, and um, I remember praying, though, I remember just not even praying, just, like, hoping that they wouldn't uh, want to strike me out, right, because I'm, I'm a two-striker and all of that mess, and, and I remember being there and trying to do the math, like, can they, California follow me over here, and, and, like, all of these things, and, and, like, um, like, I was just scared, man. I did my time there. They put me in the program. And, like, uh, somebody reached out to me, man. And, and needless to say, they got me to California. They reached out to my stepmother out here. Here I come, man. I come back to California. And um, my little sisters picked me up, man. I, I'm, I'm skinny. I can't even grow hair on the top of my head now. Like, like I look. I, I just, I, I, I look like I was like, um, just lost, man, and, and like, uh, like I needed help. Uh, I get to my mother's house, the first thing I do is, is, is start drinking with my little stepsister. I drink up all the, like I drank up all of their beer, and they're looking at me like, bro, you need to put in some money. Like, I remember sitting there, man, and I remember my mom coming out, and my mom telling me, like, giving me that look, and I remember, like, um, like it was at that point, it was at that point that I actually said, you know what, like I had to surrender to something, man. Like, it was at that point where, you know, I looked at my mother and I told her that, that I needed help, man. And she was telling me, like, how do we do it? Like, I don't know, like, what do we need to do? And and the only thing that I've known my whole life is through, a, like, a structured environment. I don't know how to do it out here. So, so like, my best plan for her was, like, like, I told her, like, I don't know how to do it out here but like if, if if i could just go somewhere where he could tell me how to do it or, or like tell me not to go here or don't touch that or, or or whatever the case right and i remember telling her like i remember telling her like mom the only way i could do it is to uh through our controlled environment and so we came up with this plan where you know i didn't want to call like call the cops here because there was like more than that what the tenants were allowed to have in that little apartment right and and my little nephew was just born and you know, all of these things, right? So so I told my mother, like, the best plan that I could come up with was, like, uh, uh, call the police, like, call the police, uh, let them know that, that, you know, that I'm struggling a little bit, you're concerned about my well-being, and, and, and we'll go from there, right? And, like, I remember waiting in that corner, and it would seem like the longest time ever, and I remember sitting there and, um, like, just sitting there, man, waiting for the police to get there, and, and uh, they finally get there, and it was the first time I ever broke down to somebody and was like, I told the officer I needed help. Like, I told the officer I needed help, and um, he told me that he didn't know what to do. I hadn't committed no crime. He made some calls, and he put me in the mental health thing, and, like, uh, I was trying to fight the process, man. Like, they put me in this mental health situation at the time, and just like every other place, I, 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 wasn't, I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to take medication because... You know, I was still trying to live that prison life. Like, I don't take medication. <laughs> you know, I don't talk to the psychs. You know, and, and all of this, uh, all of this stuff that was ingrained in my head, man. And, and like, um, but I stayed. You know, I figured the more pills that I pop, the, 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 the better I'm going to get. You know, they, they changed my way of thinking. And I figured, man, the more drugs that I get here, like, I'm cool. I'll just sit here uh, in this little hospital gown, pop some pills and, and be on my way after. And, uh. You know, but through the process, like, I remember somebody saying that uh, if I wanted to go to Cedar House, and, and, and like, I've been around enough parolees and enough people 
uh, to remember that name. And, and, and um, that name just clicked, man. The the name Cedar House just clicked, and, 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 uh, which is, you know, some kind of treatment center down here. And, and like, I remember, um, like, I wanted to go there. I, I definitely wanted to go there, man. And I made, I made the decision that I didn't want to leave nowhere else. I wanted to go to that place. And uh, two weeks later, I finally get what I wanted. You know, it was the first time I was introduced to my recovery. You know, it was the first time that I actually got introduced to, to like, something other than what um, big plans and this whole deal that I concocted in my head about trying to live big and, and like, all of these things. And um, just sitting there, man, I remember getting a little bit of freedom like any addict, right? Like, uh, I finished my time at Cedar House and, and I got out. I made the conscious decision to go to meetings. I went to meetings. I straddled the fence, right? I straddled the fence for a minute. I got me, um, but but I knew certain things. I knew certain things that weren't healthy for me. I just, I didn't know how to move around the rooms too well. And, and I still had a lot of pride and I still had a lot of ego. Um, I still wanted to deal with as many women as I could. I still wanted to, you know, do do all of these things, man. But but I didn't want to go to jail for it, though. I didn't want to pay the consequences for me doing what I felt I needed to do. I came into the rooms. Um, it was a safe place for me to be. You know, I, I faked it till you know till faking wasn't enough, and, and and I was of service. And you know, I got to work and treat me. You know, which was one of the blessings. And and, and like I'm thinking, like man, how was somebody like myself even allowed to like? you know, be around medication and, 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 like, doing these things, right? And I got blessed with a job and treatment and, you know, I'm going to my meetings, but I'm not open to the, I wasn't open to the message. And so, like, any other addict, man, and, like, we say around here, like, there's some things that you need to do in order for you to keep this recovery. And, like, for me, it was, um, you know, I had to learn the hard way. So I stuck around. I think I was going on, like, 18 months, like close to two years. And I remember coming in and, and like I said, man, like I was kind of willing, but man, especially if you talked about God, like I didn't want to hear nothing about God, prayer, meditating, hugging you too much, like none of that. But like, like I said, I stuck around long enough for me to be able to fake the funk. Like I figured if I stay here, if I stay here, just Enough for me to be able to, like, rub elbows, like, stay safe. I could still do what I wanted to do and, and, and not so much pay the consequences for it. And, again, like, that was a total lie, man. Like, I ended up coming in here. Um, I heard other addicts in the room. Ended up going back out because I thought, you know, women will go ahead and fix me. But that was exactly the problem that I had. Like, I came in here, I played around, I did one, two, and three, I did the one, two, three shuffle right, I, 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 I didn't understand the concept of the steps, um, I got a little bit of, like, the verbiage, like, like, what we say around here, the little, if you want what we have, then do what we do, and the, you know, I got a little bit of that, but, like, I was, I was, I, I didn't want to really put in the work or open up my heart to suggestion, just trying to listen, man, I, I, I just... It, it, it wasn't registering, man. Um, it's all of these things that that tend to keep us from 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 experiencing what the what these steps do, right? And, and like I came in and I relapsed. I came in, I relapsed. Uh, like I said, man, I heard people in the rooms, right? Found myself homeless again. The whole year, 
almost 18 months, close to two years, within two weeks, like I had nothing. I didn't have the job, the girlfriend, you know, the, the like I had nothing. I ended up in another city down here in San Bernardino um, to the point where I was like, man, I'm going to have to hurt somebody for me to be able to pay off this car note. But like I said, man, one of my biggest fears was for me to go back to jail. Like, I didn't want to die in jail. Like, that was the main thing that kept me clean. Like, like kept me in the, like, I, I don't want to go back to jail. And so I decided, like, um I needed to leave the car because if I was going to try to figure out how to pay them 300 and something dollars, somebody was going to get hurt or maybe even me and then boom. And so, like, like the program kind of worked in me in that situation. And, and like, I remember crawling. I remember, like they say, man, like I ended up crawling back to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. I came in here once again broken. I came in here once again lost. I still didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know how to do nothing. I didn't know how to do nothing. My whole life up until that point was like just a mess, man. And, and like, uh, like two sisters in recovery, one of them passed away, right? Not due to her addiction, but due to the like, not due to the disease, but due to the to the uh, disease of another person that was sick, right? Like, like she's clean, and and the drunk driver hits her, right? But, but like that's a whole nother story. So my sister at the time and my other sister, they 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 take me to a mental health place again, and, and I'm telling them to stay with me because if they leave, like I'm gonna leave again, right? Like I want to leave still. Like, like, I still, in, in that whole, in that everything that's happening, I still think I got a better, like, a better way out of this whole situation. And, like, um, they stay with me. They put me through the process again. You know, I go back to Cedar House. And, and what happened, and I'm grateful, is that I used to work in that, I used to work in that place. Getting there was one of those, um, one of those uh, kind of like a humble pie kind of situations where, um, where because I worked there and I thought that, you know, uh, certain staff worked there and, and I had made friends of certain certain staff there, I could get away with certain things, right? So I came in there still trying to be cool and, like, let me in the kitchen. Like, I want to go back to working in the kitchen. And, and, like, I was grateful for these people to, like, look at me dead in my face and tell me, like, no. Like, you need to go to a group. You need to focus on doing that. And, and like, I remember the feeling like I wanted to be upset, but, like, I couldn't be upset, man. And, and um, like, I had to kind of, like, humble myself, man. And, and so I did treatment again. I got released from treatment again. And um, luckily to say, like, they sent me out here to Riverside and, I didn't know, I, I, did, I had no clue how much of a melting pot of recovery this place was, man. And I used to always go from side to side and, and like, I never really stopped here or nothing. And, and, like, man, like, just to be able to experience that, like, there's no reason for me not to be at a meeting when every meeting was, like, walking distance. Like, I think that's where the process began for me. Like, actually, like, the process and, 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 and um... Like, I came in here, again, you know, I was at a sober living where the mandatory meeting at 5 a.m. in the morning, 6 o'clock meeting, like, it's mandatory, you're going, you might get kicked out if you don't go, I don't want to go, I'm still trying to fight the process, but I'm going because I don't want to be homeless, 
you know, and, 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 and like I remember landing at this meeting and I remember like feeling still yet like I like I didn't want to be there, but I knew I had to be there and and, and like uh, people loved on me, man, like they showed me love up until this day, like that's my home group and like I'm grateful for these people that got put in my life, right? Like I, I, I went through my ups and downs during that period. Um, like I said, one of my sisters that ended up putting me in, in, into program passed away. And, and I think that kind of like um, put certain things in perspective, man. And I remember being in a meeting in Hammond where another old time shared. And I think a young lady got emotional about it. And, and she he said, uh, you know, that some of us, had, uh, unfortunately, some of us have to, have to die around here for us to get it. And I know it is unfortunate, but, but what it's saying to me is that like, it is unfortunate that that has to happen, but it's through that that, like, for me, it, it, it gave me some clarity on what I wanted to do. Like, my sister passing away and not even having, like, a, a, she wasn't even drunk. It was the disease, like, from a whole nother direction that just decided to take her life. And, and like, that for me, like, put things in perspective, man, I think that for me was kind of like a moment where I was like, I don't like the disease, and like I gotta put in the work that I need to put in in order for me to to to, to be able to not just live, but be able to have some purpose in life, man. And, and it was still a slow process. Like I didn't get this just coming in here and, and trying to rub elbows and, and trying to hang out. And I did that already. I came in here trying to hang out. I came in here trying to, uh you know, hang out with the cool kids and, and the dude with the cool uh, truck and, you know, the, the skinny little uh, sister with the, you know, and, and like I came in here seeking recovery for all the wrong reasons. So when when I finally got that moment of like, and it wasn't just that, right? And, and I'm going to be honest, it was the fact that at a year clean this time around, I got the same, the same eerie little feeling that I got when I was about to relapse the first time I came around here so around that time it was right then and there that I was like man I need a sponsor right and I grabbed the sponsor that I got now right and needless to say I'm still I'm still on my step I'm on step 11 and all of that but but like I, I felt that same little eerie creepy <laughs> feeling that's been wanting to kill me right and, and so like I made the decision like man I need I need a sponsor what are we gonna do like, uh, I picked up my sponsor, man. He told me to call him, uh, you know, like once every other day, once, twice a day. I don't know. I still didn't do it. <laughs> I still didn't do it. I think I called him maybe like once here or there, you know. But, but like, um, like I remember actually getting into the book, man. I remember coming in and I remember other addicts signing my book and I had it because they signed it and they were... And it was the and I had the book and I never even bothered to open it, you know. It, it had the signatures like uh, you know, just all kinds of like uh, motivating stuff and like read this from the book and and like this is gonna help you ain't gotta die and and like all of these things. And the first time I opened up the book, it was like um, like that. It was a, it was an amazing feeling, man. Like I, I remember reading all these things. I never even really read all of them, you know. And and I had it for almost. Like almost a year, like I remember going through the process, it was a little difficult for me at first with the God thing, but I remember like going through through step one and and, and, and step two and step three, man, and, 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 and one of the biggest steps that was big for me was not just admitting that I was powerless, 
right? It, it was it was like knowing that there was um, it wasn't just a drug, man. It was my behaviors, like everything that I did. It was it was how I reacted, uh, how I didn't react, uh, you know, the whole passive aggressive thing, like the whole and all of these things, man. And because at first I'm thinking, well. Like any other person that comes, I don't know, me personally, like at first I thought if I come in here, like uh, as long as I stop using or, 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 or you know, as far as that, like I'm going to be okay. And yeah, nah, that's, a, that was a lie, man. And, and so like, um, realizing all these things, man, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, like, like I was scared, you know, I was scared of the four step, but then. I heard a brother also share an old timer at a surgery of the spirit meeting and he said it very clearly and it wasn't really nothing profound so to speak but it was profound to me and so he told me like the like why would I be afraid of something that's gonna potentially save my life right and I don't know at that time like I, I was listening and so it just made sense to me like why am I gonna procrastinate on something that's gonna better direct me for me to be you know, everything, everything that I got up to this point, you know, and, you know, I stay in the process. Uh, I don't like to be out of the process. Like, that's all I know today, like process. And, and like, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, my recovery journey, like, you know, my past sounds crazy now that I hear myself speaking. But, like, like when it comes to recovery, it seems more but like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful going on a couple of years clean, right, and, 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 like, I'm very aware that, that, like, I can't slack, right, I'm very aware, like, this disease does not just, you know, it, whatever movement you make, like, it's trying to creep in, right, whatever I decide to, uh, open up the door for, like, I know it's, it opens up the door for a whole lot of behaviors, man. I've been through the rooms. I've had, uh, uh, I've messed up in the rooms. I made mistakes in the rooms. I lost jobs in the rooms. You know, I, I, I lost people in the rooms. Um, lost grandparents, right? But I've been able to be there for my family too. Not being a liability for my family, but being able to be an asset and, and being able to, um, you know, if they call me, I could, I could, I could respond and they could, they could trust me and be able to, to know that I'm going to take care of whatever they want me to take care of. And like, uh, that wasn't my story, man. Like years, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, through the process of recovery, like I've, I've, uh, been able to reconciliate with my father. I've been able to reconciliate with my mother. I've been able to, uh, reconciliate with my stepbrothers and sisters, right? Cause, uh, you know, because I was an idiot, you know, from the making amends to, you know, uh, there's so much, so many different aspects of this program that that if aligned correctly, and I'm not perfect, like, I'm not perfect, but, like, there's so many aspects of this program, man, that, that like, daily, it, it, it applies to my life, like, um, you know, it, it's helped me head, uh, better relationships at work. Man, some of you brothers see me in here when I came in here broken. Like, from then on to here, to be able to, like, you know, have an opportunity to speak like this, right? And, and like, uh, this is new to me, so, but, but like, just, just the opportunities, man, to, through, through being able to stay clean and, 
and be able to share my hope and experience. And, you know, I, I, I get to do that today as well, man. I do that for a living. Like, I get to be able to not just uh, do the program in my own personal life, but be able to guide other men into finding out and just giving them suggestions and, like, from my experience and, and, and also see them grow. And, 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 and also seeing the ones that probably, you know, don't make it. But at the end of the day, man, like, I could... I could only plant the seed, man, and and like I'm grateful. I don't know, man. If, if you guys uh, like if you guys are new, um, you know, give yourself an up, give yourself an opportunity. Like the literature says, man, um, you know, there's no reason for you to go through another relapse, another jail sentence, another overdose, another, you know, whatever you want to add to that. There's no reason for you to go through that if you come in here and you do the program honestly and sincerely and you take direction because that was one of the biggest things for me that I couldn't do. I couldn't do nothing because I just, <laughs> I just couldn't do nothing. I thought I knew it all, right? But, but um, like I heard another old time say, like, um, you know, because I listen to these men, man. I, I, I pay attention to what people say in the rooms. And, and I remember saying, like, that he said the only reason why I knew everything is because I've never been outside of that four-block radius. You see what I'm saying? So so that's why I knew everything. I knew, I knew where to go, everything. I knew everything. But outside of that, like, I didn't know how to live. Outside of Inglewood, California, in, in prison, you know, from... Like, I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to take direction. I couldn't keep a job. I didn't want to be in a long-term relationship. I didn't even know how to keep them. You know, I, I I didn't know how to be a son, how to be a father. I didn't know how to do none of that, man. And through the program on Narcotics Anonymous, like, like I've been able to, like, really get into, you know, what's the issue with me, not what's the issue with the person next to me. Like, where am I responsible for that? It's allowed me to be responsible. You know, God is a big uh, foundation in my recovery today. I'm able to say that. You know, in the book, it also talks about how you need to be connected to that source, right? And so, like, I stay connected to my source, right? I, I stay out of my way. I don't want nothing to do with any plan that I got. <laughs> like, I don't, if, if I'm thinking it or over it, like, I don't want nothing to do with it. And, and it takes practice, man. It's not something that... Um, and any old, you know, any old time will tell you, man, like a lot of these things, um, take practice. Like the, the, you know, there's, there's, there's more than dope that wants to kill us, man. It's, it's how we move and how we operate. You know, I wouldn't do that in the hood if I was out there, you know, I wouldn't jeopardize my dope. I wouldn't jeopardize, you, you see what I'm saying? So like recoveries allow me to like, um, be aware of like what I do, man. And definitely be more caring, man, more loving, uh, more accepting, right? Sometimes it ain't, you know, sometimes it ain't as great, but, but like I am striving to be a better human, like a better human being. Um, if you know, give yourself an opportunity. You know, we're going to love you till you get it. Uh, we're going to give you suggestions and hope that you don't have to go out and experience it. Um, nothing's changed. It's the same old it's the same old obstacle, just different people in the way and trying to do what they think they're doing. And, and so, like, um, like I'm encouraging you guys, man, um, get plugged in. You know, you can't, like, like get plugged in. Um, just get in the step work, get you a sponsor. Uh, uh, you know, definitely meetings. Something that I learned is, like, meetings ain't going to keep me clean all the time, man. Um, I learned that the hard way, at least for me. 
you know, everything runs its course, man. If I'm not working on on the actual problem, on, on why I do the things that I do, then most likely I'm going to end up going back out uh, again. And that's something that I don't want to do today. Um, I feel like I'm rambling. Uh, <laughs> just thank you for allowing me to, like, share my story. You know, I'm grateful for the old timers that teach me how to continuously do this deal. And, and like, I'm grateful to God that I'm clean today. You know, I'm Vic, I'm an addict, that's all I got. That was it for tonight from the Messengers of Recovery, Riverside. Make sure you tune in next week.